Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another Tooele Happy Hour podcast starring Jared Anderson and David Weiss. Tonight's guest, Carrie Bartholomew. She is an advocate. She's a mother. She is a fantastic taxpaying citizen, <laughs> and she wants to be heard. She also does her own podcast. Carrie, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more. Sure. My podcast is Be Not Afraid, and it started off, well, it started off originally with speaking to people who'd aged out of foster care and were making something out of their lives because I wanted to celebrate those stories. And then in 2020, it kind of switched. So it became listening to people who have, who are dissident voices, especially people who have um, overcome communism. And then it became parental advocacy because the things I was listening to from the people who've overcome communism started to rear its head in our everyday lives. So that's what I do. Mm. So you, uh, I don't know, break it down a little further. Do you go into the, into the schools and, and do this work or, or where can people find this work you do? Sure. Um, so I have a YouTube channel. It's very small. I think it's probably kind of blacklisted. No, I don't go into the schools. I actually was um, uh, fired from being a substitute. Um, I started with doing that because I wanted the kids to see a person who looks like me. If anybody's listening to audio, um, I am biracial, half black. And I wanted somebody to, to see somebody who looks like me who doesn't hate them. So that had been my intention of going into the schools. I still sub in charter schools, so I'm a perfectly safe person. But what happened is I found three books um, that were how to bring politics into a classroom when you're not supposed to. And I took a picture of the books and I put it on online and I said, I sub today. Don't ask me where because I'm not going to say. Um, and within three days, I was fired. <clears throat> So I just can't like that. <laughs> yes. Can, I, can you tell yes. us what the books were called and what school they were in? I really, I try really hard to not say the school that they were in, but I'll tell you the district. The district was Nebo School District, and the school, um, the school, the city was Spanish Fork. Um, but the reason I don't want to say the city is because I, I tend to believe that most of the people who follow this stuff, especially as educators, are, they're being slow boiled. I think that they have the best intention and I don't want a, I don't want a target on their back. So for that reason, I don't want to say exactly what school it was. It's, um, yes. It, and so the books were Teaching When the World is on Fire. Uh-huh. Um, another book was called Culturally Responsive Teaching. And the third book, well, Culturally Responsive Teaching, and the other one was Teaching in the Culturally Responsive Classroom. Culturally Responsive Teaching is another way of saying CRT. Now, people are going to say CRT is only in colleges, but it's not. And I've been spending the last two months doing a deep dive into ethnic studies because Utah's getting ethnic studies. Um, Spencer Cox, Governor Spencer Cox, has um, 
decided that ethnic studies would be a really good idea. And I think that a lot of times people believe that ethnic studies is just a celebration of cultures. And it's not. It's actually activism. It's action civics in the classroom. It here's what it feels like to me. So yeah, you're you're hundred percent the. It's our educators are how they're delivering these messages to the children. A hundred percent. There's no argument about it. Um. And it comes from our colleges, so it's our whole education system. Uh, what is that guy's name, that Brazilian teacher? Um, Paulo Freire. Freire. It's, mm-hmm. it's his policies kind of come down. And, and he was uh, just a, an avowed Marxist. And he said, this is how we get Marxism into our countries, is we do it through the education system. He was also a racist, so it's very, it's very amusing to <laughs> we me. We don't but... <laughs> need to talk about Marxism and racism on the show tonight. That's a whole other show where we can talk about, I mean, Marx himself right. and the things he said. Yes. Yeah, Che Guevara, he was very racist. Yes. Carrie, let me ask you this. Yeah. The word racist, mm-hmm. it seems to mean different things to different people and I struggle with the word itself uh, and its meaning, according to whomever I'm talking to, I guess. I mean, if, if you're not able to communicate with each other properly using a word, if the situation can spin out of control. Can you give me, like, what's the difference between maybe just being avoidant of a, a particular culture or race versus hatred? Is that... Are they both racism or so, is there something different between the two? Sure. So what I say is um, a racist or a bigot. And those are different things. A bigot is somebody who doesn't know, who has maybe fears or feels uncomfortable because they don't know, because they've been they've been taught some things, but there's no hatred behind it. I believe that a racist, there's hatred and there's also superiority um, behind it. So that's really the way that that I look at it. And I would say that from what I have seen in Utah, um, it's funny because when we moved here, people were like, are you sure you want to move to Utah? It's very racist out there. And I have not found rural communities to be racist. Like I was presented. I have found progressive elites to be racist. Um, When you go into a meeting at the Capitol and they say, we recognize that there are minorities here, but you don't speak for your collective. That is extremely demoralizing. Um, I represent a group, I represent um, Path Forward Utah, and I also am the ethnic studies advisor, CRT advisor for um, Utah Parents United. And the things that I get called are, I've been told, asked who picked me basically calling me a house N-word. Um, and some of the most vicious people, well, some of the most vicious people are um, are Black appointees um, to things like the Ethnic Studies Board. Mm. We live in an upside-down world. And here's how I, I mean, if I was just shoot off the hip, it seems to me like the progressives and the Democrat Party 
they like to find people who are, I don't want to say weak because I don't think that the black community is weak, but I think that they're sold weakness by, by the Democrats and the progressives. They're sold weakness and then kept that way. It, 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 yes. Dare I say, it's kind of like a modern day slavery, slavery or plantation. Like absolutely, it, getting people off the plantation is. So here's this is why I fight this stuff in a in a nutshell. In the before the 1930s, African Americans were doing quite well. They were beginning to thrive. They were do, they were educated. They prized their relationships with their family. Fathers were honored. All of those things were happening in the home. They had the the most um, children born to married households out of any group. The Chinese right. obviously didn't have the numbers to even register. They had more people born, born to a solid household than white people, than Hispanic people. They had the most. Well, and it's especially after slavery, um, when they could first start to read, their literacy rates improved rapidly because they had that opportunity. They knew something that they didn't have and then all of a sudden they had it and it was precious to them. And so having people say things like what we're hearing now, black and brown people and especially black people cannot compete, <clears throat> excuse me, cannot compete. So we must lower the standards. Didn't it is they insult. just do away with test scores in like all of Oregon or something? Yes. <laughs> and even here, even here, there is um, there's a recording of a school board member saying that he would not sign his name to something lowering the bars to say that that um, black and brown teachers needed the standard lowered because because black and brown people cannot pass tests. He said that black and brown teachers also needed to lower the standards. So he said he would not. So they were they oh. wanted for for people who were taking the test to become a teacher. They wanted the standards lowered for black and brown people because supposedly they don't test well. What an insult to people like Thomas Sowell. Uh, yeah. Okay. I mean, like, I mean um, these, it's extremely infuriating to hear UVU had me speak at an event or they had me speak to a classroom um, of social workers and teachers and they wanted to talk about how to implement CRT in K, K through 12. And my advice, of course, was don't do it. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, don't do it. But one of the teachers said to me, and he was a young man, and what he said to me was, I don't understand how do I, how do I grade the papers without considering race? This was last spring. So... After my, I pulled my jaw back up because it was kind of falling to the ground. I said, well, you use the grade book and the rubric. Do they so. want, do they want to, okay, let me break that. For any teacher or squishy leftist or retard out there in listening land or watching land right now, do it, do it. All you're doing is you're going to, Build this person into what's supposed to be an adult, and you're going to cut them loose on the world, 
And then you better apologize when they fall on their face because they can't compete. Yes. It is infantilizing and it is, I, I find it abusive, quite frankly. 100%. You know, when they say systemic racism, I don't disagree. Systemic racism is real. Mm-hmm. It's just the opposite of what they're saying that it is. When you say you need to lower the bar, when you say you need to look at the collective, then you're the racist. Mm-hmm. When you say that we can only think that we're only capable of thinking or that we must think the same way because we are the same skin tone, which even that runs the gamut. I can't tell you how many colors of foundation there are when you are supposedly black. <laughs> so so we have these these things that they that they put in place and say we must all be the same. We must all think the same. They're keeping us as slaves now. Here's the tr- the thing that anybody who behind closed doors has their pin- opinions about black people and everybody has their biases. I don't, I don't, that's just the human condition. You work on it. Okay. But anybody who judges the black population and thinks, Ooh, they've got some serious problems. You better realize that the same thing they've done to black for the last 40 years, they're going to do to all of our children through gender ideology. Mm. That is what's coming. That is the whole, we must affirm. We can't, can't let a child be triggered. Everything is about coddling. This is who you sleep with should not determine what you're capable of doing in the classroom. Yeah. Or, I mean, it, we're hitting and a just weird like your place. skin color does not determine. It almost feels like we're hitting a. Uh, dare I say, a precipice of a collapse. Yes. In the world of CRT, do they have internal struggles with like like darker versus lighter black skin people? Yes. Yes. Because I I remember Um, I had two coworkers I worked with on a military base, and they were they were both black, but they would refer to each other as indoor and outdoor. So I wasn't sure if that was like, um, what does that mean? They're referring to a movie where uh, I think Leonardo DiCaprio was a slave owner and he had black people that worked indoors and black people that worked outdoors and certain black people that were darker would work on the outdoors and then the lighter skinned one would be the indoors. So they would refer to each other as indoor and outdoor. And I, I don't think they were being hostile to each other or anything. It was it was in a jokingly fashion, I right. suppose. But I was just wondering if that was a thing in the CRT yes. world is, hey, you're not as dark as I am. Therefore, I'm ahead of you in the line. Yes, that is a point of inter- of intersectionality. Now, the thing is, is that it's it's in different circles. So I was once interviewing a girl who was a beauty queen, literally a beauty queen very dark black girl um or woman um and she accused me of having privilege because i'm lighter than she is and i said you know i don't disagree there are certain circles in which people feel more comfortable with me than they would with you for sure at the same time you are a beauty queen people literally roll out the red carpet for you mm-hmm. and throughout the world i mean there there are you have times when you're privileged and times when you're not. That's the human experience. 
but it's absolutely used. And what that is, is it's, yeah, it's that it's the house. Well, that's what I said when I said that the person called me a house N word um, <sighs> or a field. And they did that so that people would think that they are superior. You are superior. If you're in the house, you get to wear nicer clothes. It's a cleaner environment. You're probably not getting beaten as much versus being out in the field, doing the dirty work, being treated like cattle. Mm. So what they're now, trying to do is saying that you're privileged within our dis, our yes. unprivileged group. You're the, so they're trying to b- further break it into hierarchy. Just like, just like Mao and Stalin, you know, the exact same thing. It's a class system. Mm-hmm. Well, the big one is, uh, is Pol Pot. Yes. You know, I, I mean, his the things that you were murdered for in the under the Khmer Rouge was, did you live in a city? Did you speak a second language? Did you wear glasses? Did you have a higher than whatever, uh, you know, farm grade education? You were murdered for that. He killed one third of his country. Right. It's insane to think about. Well, if I showed you the mandala, which I don't have up right now, but this um, this intersectionality picture is, it probably has 200 differences on its, so it's black and white. I'll, I'll post it on your page later, but it has um, all of these ways of which you are privileged or not. And it goes all the way down to, do you own a car? What's it called? I want to pull it up on the... You know what? I can send it to you. It's a mandala of intersectionality. Um, But I don't think that that's... I don't think it's called the mandala. I think that's what I call it. So, um, sorry. So, so Carrie, I I understand you fight against it, but do you believe it does exist? I'm talking about privileges based off of of uh, racial biases. What I believe is that, and, and this I'm saying from firsthand experience because Adam and I were foster parents. Okay. My son is second generation biracial. My son, would you, you would call him passing in the woke world. He looks like he's right off the boat from Ireland. There are certain things in life that he will never experience. Um, if I go into an expensive store, like a like maybe a furniture store, I won't get given the time of day. But if my husband comes in, they will, you know, come over and how can I help you, sir? And whatever else. And maybe that's male, female, but it does feel like maybe that's a racial thing. Yeah, I wouldn't say in a furniture store, that's not male, female. Being a man <clears throat> who's been shopping with my girlfriend for furniture, we walk <laughs> in. They talk to her, and then when it comes time to announce a price, they look at me. (laughs) It's serious. Yeah, right. It's so true. Because they know know who is going to make the decision on that couch. So how I look at at racism is that I don't believe currently that there are systems in place to keep us down but there are people who are racist yeah and, and, in and fact even, there's more today than before yeah and even like you said 
you not getting attention in a store may not be like overt racism, but it's a soft racism. Yeah. You know, it's them, it's them looking at you like, uh, all right. If I walk into a furniture store, I'm already afforded the kind of ideal that I'll be able to buy a piece of furniture and leave. They already assume you have money. Yes. And they're assuming you don't. Yes, they do. But realistically, you might be have more money than me or or right. more or you definitely have better style than me so you'd be picking yep. out the better piece of furniture that's anybody they can do guess assume. that even even with that's even a difference between if my hair is curly or if my hair is straight if i've just come out of the salon people are more respectful than if i'm just frazzled really? that's that's absolutely those I, are so, wanna, so are I, there race racist issues? Yes. But when when people who know what racism is and choose not to let it affect them, it does not somebody being a bigot doesn't affect me. It affects me if say a teacher, good or bad, this actually happened with my son. My son was playing Jack Kelly in Newsies. Okay. And his teacher said to me, It is so exciting to see your son embrace his blackness he was playing an irish new yorker so that does affect me that affects me in how how that teacher is looking at my child and he is not at all you know stereotypically He's not even stereotypically cool. Let me put it that way. <laughs> so he definitely doesn't have natural swagger. So for her to say that kind of thing was just like, well, why are you thinking of him like this? Because you wouldn't say that to the other kid who's in the other cast, who's playing the same character. But you're thinking in terms of race all the time. Generally, though, when people think in terms of race, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't affect me how somebody thinks. But right. it... it it affects me when people are afraid of me. Mm. That that is that's actually painful because I'm actually a pretty friendly, nice person. So when people act like I'm going to be violent or whatever else, that is that is heavy. And that's what the last three years have been like. I feel like I need to wear a shirt that says, Don't worry, I don't hate you. Yeah, I'm I'm not. <clears throat> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not an activist. <laughs> yeah, not Black Lives Matter. You know exactly. Literally, I'm not. I'm not here to you know to call you down. So, which uh, I'm going to be honest. At the beginning of it, uh, say about the time. Remember in South Carolina where that guy was shot in the back by uh, by the police officer. Oh, gosh, that was which so one? long ago. I would say 2015. They were by uh-huh. a I know, housing I know unit. who you're talking about. The and hands then the up, don't shoot. Yeah, and then the... Well, no, not that one. The guy, they had kind of wrestled, but then the guy got up and ran, went to run away from the cop. The cop shot him in the back, and then the cop went over and threw his taser on him to try to say, oh, he had my taser. The yeah. cop got found guilty, got sent away, humming, humming. At that time... <clears throat> I was, I was like, because there, 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 there's a confluence of situations in inner cities. 
you do have a high level of crime that is associated with certain areas and certain demographics because those areas. And then you also have police that are probably have been let off the leash a little too much and they're probably frustrated and humana humana. Yes. So you had this confluence. So there was a situation that I think needed definite attention. Yes. But it was turned around and faced on the whole rest of the nation kind of saying everyone is wrong. We've got to dismantle it all and staying instead of saying, okay, we need to have, I mean, honestly, the best decision they could have made was, was to say, uh, we need our best police officers in these locations. We need our smartest, our most astute and our most polite and our most professional and they need to say areas like that, say the dangerous areas, to make it so that you can retain police officers there, that's where your highest paid police officers go. Right. However, you're missing the, I'm just going to be blunt. Um, there's a term called post-traumatic slave syndrome. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where you believe that the things that have happened in the past are happening to you, even if that is objectively not true. Mm-hmm. So my little brother, um, my little brother was taught when he was, before he was two years old to go bang, bang, shoot the pig. Who taught okay? him that? That is a normal thing growing up in the ghetto. That's, it's just a normal thing. Like wow. you, you, you shoot the pigs, you hate white people. That is what is taught. Even though our mother was white, that's, that's what's taught to many, many children. So it doesn't matter how good, how respectful, how kind. If you are taught, people will say, you know, hatred starts in the home. Well, you're right. It does. But you know who doesn't usually teach it? At least in my experience, I have not found a lot of white families teaching their kids that other races are bad. Because I think that since the 60s, white families have been taught don't you dare whereas other cultures have not been taught that now that doesn't mean that they're that that other cultures as a whole are racist but within the walls of homes more people are taught hate them they're the white devil than not and it's a terrible terrible thing and no matter what you try to do you can never fix it so the only people who can fix it are the people who can get, who can reach the communities and, and show them you've been used. Mm. So I, I would have a scary um, opinion that would probably frighten most of the world, but it would be true. If I were to go to South Africa right now, I would experience racism as a white yes. man. If I were to go to China... I would experience something. I would be different. Some would call me the white devil. <laughs> uh, if I were to go well, I mean, to Chinese many... Chinese would be right. But anyways, go on. Yeah, it, racism, I think the, the anticipation or anxiety of being around things that are different and unknown is a biological instinct in the human. Uh, and, and I don't think it's avoidable any other way than being immersed next to that that different culture and getting to know it. 
uh, it, it's kind of like that ingrained epigenetic feeling you get when you see a big spider in the corner of your house. You you shiver a little bit, right? Uh, it's it, we're we're very arranged genetically to feel. Uh, I don't think animosity is the right word, but but apprehension Anxiety, towards maybe? yeah towards something different and unknown. So I'm very strange in that because I grew up in the foster system and I, I put myself into foster care when I was eight and I lived in pretty much because the, back then you were not the goal. The goal was to move you as many times as possible so that you didn't get attached. Yeah. So I lived with so many different people, so many different cultures, different religions, all of these things that it never I've seen good and bad in all people. So, um, and I mean, monstrously bad and angelically good. So I don't, I don't look at the world that way. Um, I've just never been really, I've never been tribal like that. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but I recognize that I don't make a lot of sense to a lot of people. <laughs> but you understand that it's there and it's yes. prevalent throughout the world. I've only realized it in the last couple of years, though. When I was on PBS, they made a comment that everybody's tribal, and um, I could not accept that at that time. I just, I was like, no, we're not, because I've always had friends and that were different than me, Native American and Filipino and, like, all, all sorts of things. So I've never, it's never been a thing for me, and I've never realized that it's such a thing for other people. But in the last three years, it's definitely been something that my eyes have been opened up to. Growing up, all my best friends were Native American. Um, just because of the neighborhood I lived in and, you know, where I lived. And, um, you know, and they're, they're lifelong friends. I've known them forever. And uh, so that's... That is not confusing to me. And, and I look back and, and maybe I just thought it was a joke then. Um, but, you know, his mother would call me the white devil. But I was commonly with him when we were getting in trouble. So, yeah, you know. But I've had. Oh, go ahead. But I don't remember. I, I don't remember it ever being a a truly uncomfortable thing. I I remember feeling welcome in his house and eating dinner with him. And it, you know, his older brothers and sisters were good to me and stuff. Um, but maybe there is, and I wonder, did it like kick off when Zinn wrote that History of America book where? The white man suddenly became the object of evil, uh, according to everyone else and everything else. I don't know. I, I wonder about that sometimes. I don't. I don't know. I. I think that it kicked off when I first started to realize how how much racism there was in our country, and specifically from the left was that when my friends who mostly went to Evergreen State College, so extremely, extremely liberal. I haven't heard um, of this place before. Tell me more. <laughs> when, when my friends started calling me and saying they were voting with me in mind, 
And I just was, it didn't make sense to me because I believe in um, you teach a man to fish, don't just hand it over to him. And so I was never going to vote, vote for Barack Obama. And all of my friends voted solely to prove they weren't racist. And voting. to me, that was the most racist thing that you could do is vote for someone just because of the color of their skin. Voting so, with you in mind. Yes. The, the, okay, let's dig into that. Did they think that the election of Barack Obama would make it so that any discrimination that you had gone through or might in the next however long for that eight-year period go through was because he was president? Would that make that situation go away? I think my friends had a lot of white guilt. Again, they went to Evergreen. So <laughs> they probably heard Robin DiAngelo. Are you still friends with them? I didn't know that them? at the time. I'm sorry? Are you still no. friends with them? No. After after 2020, that was the end. When people started bringing me pie um, because they felt bad for me for what I must be feeling about George Floyd, um, <laughs> I realized what an absolute token so, I was. And that, that didn't work for me. Do you have a bass guitar in the basement, though? No. What? <laughs> South Park. Oh. When no. Token, when Cartman's wants to oh, start right, the bass. Yes. <laughs> Token, just go get the bass guitar. We don't have a bass <laughs> guitar in the basement. Yeah. Just go get no. it. <laughs> okay, Token, cut me a riff. I don't know how to play bass. Token. <laughs> yeah, well, not only was Barack Obama our first uh, black president, which I think that was actually bill clinton but he's also our first bisexual president too uh if if you've heard the uh the the talk about yeah. his activities in the back of a limousine so, yes. no, no we had a president that was uh we've definitely had homosexual presidents before him who was that one who lived with the man and then willed everything he owned to his man after he died but it just wasn't talked about then yeah. Where now, for some reason, everyone thinks that <clears throat> if you have any sexual proclivities, you must scream it for, you know, you've got to wear it on your sleeve like it's right. the most important thing to you. When in 1800, <clears throat> whether you were with a woman or with a man, you didn't talk about it in public. Right. Yeah, it's we live in a time when victimhood is virtuous. Not just so, that, but you're you're not just victimhood. Yeah. Um, any disability you have yes. elevates you. Not just disability. Any any abnormal thing about you, like um, it, like, like if you if, suffer from anxiety or yeah, yeah or depression or. or, or yeah. You know, like, uh, you know, I, I mean, hell, we give it three more weeks and people will come out. And instead of putting uh, uh, the the high to pimple stuff on, um, what do ladies use? What's it? Uh, uh, Makeup? Yeah. What's it called? Concealer. Concealer, Concealer on. Yeah. 
they'll yeah. have a neon sign with an arrow <laughs> that points at it. And they'll look at me. Yeah. This is, you yeah. know, the hard We've created a narcissistic culture. It, it is. It is. We yeah. are getting torn apart by. All of elevating. the best practices in society, all of the things that, that you would think would, would make a person thrive, um, overcoming and resilience and the things that you used to be proud of that would, would restore dignity to a person are being replaced with, um, with narcissism and with a, just a self-indulgent when if you want to be a happy human being, you contribute to society. John F. Kennedy asked not what you can do for uh, what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country, right? We're not doing that anymore. We are teaching our kids to be completely demanding to, um, and if you're not, <laughs> if you're not everything that, that your child has been taught to believe that you are, then you are unsafe. You're unsupportive, you're unaffirming, whatever it is. Um, and that's that's a crazy thing we just had in Mebo's school district at the junior high in a in a newsletter. They just said um, some kids are being some kids are taught by their parents wrongly. They're taught how to be um, unkind in their poor examples. Mm. And that is some scary some scary stuff that's happening in our schools. And what they mean by that is not affirming. So if you're, if your parents don't know how to be welcoming, if they're rude to others and mind you, rude is not what we used to consider rude. Like if my kid came in and was rude to someone, I'd box his ears. Not really, but he'd be in trouble. Right. Um, but if I tell my kid, remember who you are, hold tight to your faith and live not by lies, then that would make him rude by today's standards. Yeah, or or even um, just being kind of self-assured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, we are living in a weird time. And mm-hmm. It's just a, I don't know. So, uh, okay, so we've been picking this apart and it's almost like it'd make a good comedy show (laughs) um but i want to know tell us about your efforts to curtail it oh sure okay because that's the important stuff right how, how can people apply this in their own life in school things like that sure okay so the first thing that i try to do is always i i try to channel mlk jr um, they used to train people, you know, before you go out and, and protest or, or walk, you know, be prepared that you're going to get vicious things done to you and you're, maybe the dogs will be turned on you. And they, they had these sessions where they would teach them not to react, to have more grace than anyone else in the room, to always come with reason. I saw, um, in an open comment somebody sent a letter to the school board and they said, die in hell, you evil beasts and a bunch of other stuff that it's like, how is that going to further your cause? Instead, it's going to make the rest of us look like we're crazy when what's happening may or may not be evil. 
I may or may not agree with that, but you have to be the most reasonable, the most dignified person in the room. And it pisses them off. Sorry if that's not an okay word to say, but it makes them angry when you remain dignified. So one of the things I've done is I've stood against DEI, which is diversity, equity, and inclusion. It's not what people think. People think that diversity is, you know, everybody has a seat at the table. You only have a seat at the table if you think the same way. There's never diversity of thought. You want a diversity of looks. Spencer, Governor Cox has a diversity team, but you would be hard pressed to find anybody who thinks different on that group. They say the exact same anti-racist, which is neo-racist rhetoric. So that's diversity. Equity always means equal outcomes. It does not matter who is, um, it doesn't matter if you've got two kids in your family. I don't know if you guys have kids, but if you've got kids, you know, one kid may be really, really good and work really hard. It's X. And the other kid is kind of a slacker. Do they deserve the same outcomes in life? So that's equity. And inclusion means to center around those that have previously been quote unquote marginalized, which is why I believe we have so many mental health crises right now because people are desperate to be marginalized because they don't want to be on that side of the oppressor. So I stand up for that and I go to places like Weber State and when I go there, I get protested. Um, the NAACP brings in a about 30 teenagers or 30 students and they all carry signs that say, why are you against diversity? And they can't even listen. They can't even listen to what I have to say before they're just like, you're against diversity. But you know you're the one that, me. it sounds to me like you're the one that's for diversity. Absolutely. See, here's the thing. I, go ahead. I think it's a narcissism culture caused by our modern day Gutenberg press. Yes. We're right now. Everyone is looking for the hitch that'll make them popular, not in real life. Um, how do I put this? Okay, this is going to sound awful. Bear with me. Okay. People with Tourette's are popular on the internet specifically because they have Tourette's. Mm-hmm. Whereas prior or outside of the internet, that is not someone you would want to take to a fancy restaurant. Right. You see what I'm saying? And yes. and it's a rough thing to say. And yes, it should be equalized that they should be popular for who they are, for their values, for what they bring to the table in your friendship. But they're popular because every once in a while, they'll click their tongue and let an F-bomb drop. And it's so, because they're popular, other people are feigning that. Oh, yeah, that is a big thing. People faking to uh, girls. Yeah. I'm telling you, girls, that is the weirdest critter on earth. I don't think, I think we could spend a million years studying just the female mind and we wouldn't have that bastard cracked. I don't want to go right. crazy today. But <laughs> there is a, yes. a, 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 what would you call it? A, a avalanche of girls pretending that they have Tourette's right now or, and and you're, you're seeing it all the time and they're, you can tell, or maybe 
Maybe they really do. But how many of them do you think are going to make this habit for a year and then it'll become what they do? Like biting your nails or... Oh, yeah. You know, a habit is it only takes 90 days to develop a habit. So and there you go. Yeah. No. So so that is one part. The other part is that if you want to heal something. uh, Unfortunately, because people have been broken. Okay. um, You have to offer something in order to heal. So I always thought it was so stupid when it was. George Floyd put the black box up. I'm I'm thinking, what in the heck does a black box have to do with improving the lives of these people that you feel so bad for? Here you are at home because we're all locked down. So if you have the skills to teach coding or to teach reading or to or to do something, then why wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't that be more beneficial than virtue signaling? with a stupid black box, which to me reminded me of having to put the star up when you were Jewish. So I believe that, that if I want to reach the black community, I have to offer something to the black community. One, because I live out here in Payson. So I'm not um, openly like welcome or, or people think that I, you know, think I'm above them or whatever, because I don't live in say Ogden. So what can I offer? Well, I have a passion for reading and our literacy rate for African-Americans is 16%, one sixth in this state. So I wanna start a reading club and I wanna get people, I wanna teach people to read at all levels because there's even adults, adult male who do not know how to read. So I wanna teach people how to teach others how to read and improve the community. Because if I can, if I can uplift the community, then I can actually heal them. Another thing that I do is I teach at a co-op. So I teach 15 year olds last, last week, what we did was we made a collage on, um, oh, we spent, we spent about a month and a half, six weeks talking about Marx and all of the ideology and the ideas and why this is a huge threat to America right now or to the West in general. And then we made a collage of what Marxism meant. And so I had these 15-year-olds tearing out pages in National Geographics. And then they had to explain to the class why they chose that photo and what, even if it wasn't, you know, like slaughter, it might just be a person washing the dirt off their skin or a person who looks beautiful from, from far away, but then you get it close and you can see the flaws and they would explain that. So every... What I believe we do is we say yes in every every single time that we can. Every everything we look at as an opportunity to heal the real wounds. But part of that is telling people the truth. So my kids will say things to me like, "Oh, Mrs. B, that 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 stuff is hard. That's a that's a hard thing to know." And I'll ask them, "Is is it too much for you to know?" No, we appreciate that you talk to us like an adult. Okay, well how can I leave you with some hope here? And I just always tell people knowledge is power. The The dumbest thing that we can do. And the thing, again, I'm going to be blunt. The thing I see so much in Utah is putting your head in the freaking sand. What? And Mormons? Oh, it's so bad <laughs> here. It's, it's appalling. 
how much <laughs> you can like put it in their face and they switch and I, I maybe not just Mormons just people in Utah uh, who just like turn and they just go I I want to believe the best in everybody and I would like, say from the studies they've done on housewives medication in Utah Valley it's more okay <laughs> Okay. I, I want to ask you, have you read um, The White Pill by Michael Mount? No, I've heard of it and I've heard him talk about it. If you want to, if you want to, I think, honestly, my honest opinion is I think it should become a, I think it should be mandatory reading your senior year. Because it's an, it's a book of the atrocity of Stalinism. Yeah. But and it was yeah. that it ended and there's a bright future, which is why it's called the white pill and not the black pill. Right. Because black pill means you're doomed. White pill means there's hope. And it yes. talks about, it goes through kind of the timeline, you know, and talks about Berea, which just him alone. I mean, he should be a, a, a college, a whole college semester just by him and just him. He was Stalin's uh, secret police head that when Stalin's daughter went to hang out at his house one day, Stalin freaked out and called the house and said, don't go over there, come home. This guy was savage. Yeah. He's the one who said, show me the man and I'll find you the crime. Yeah. And we have that kind of stuff going on in Utah. We have, we have in our schools, um, we we have like apps to turn people in on really and yes absolutely apps to turn people in on if you don't feel quote-unquote safe but what happens oftentimes is bullies because the people who are getting picked on there's a protective class in our schools and then there's not protected which is crazy to me that we would have in k-12 some kids who don't qualify as protected which is generally the white male. So it it generally is. And, and so they're not a protected class. And other people, for whatever reason, they can just send, an, send a thing on an app and say, this person is bullying me and they're in trouble. Which, well, yes. I, this app, that one, definitely like to uh, dig in more on. Because that. Oh, there's also apps that are telling um, the GSA, which is the Gender and Sexualities Club in our schools. The GSA, it's not where it's the no government longer... goes to buy cars. <laughs> no, it is. It is the Gender and Sexualities Club. It used to be the Gay and Straight Alliance, but now there's so many people who identify as queer that is the Gender and Sexualities Club in junior highs and high schools. And they have an app that comes out of Washington, D.C. It's called Queer Youth Alliance, and it tells them what to protest for. Mm -hmm. So our kiddos are, they're becoming a new red guard. Mm -hmm. See so where these are going. the things that I, yeah, I do everything I can to get the word out and to, yeah, just try to get people to realize that, you know, we used to be parents who would say, you will harm my kid over my dead body. 
now we're just like, just don't bother me. Just, just, just let me stay on TikTok. Just, you know, let mm. me, let me do whatever. But I, you know, whatever you do, don't put a mask on my kid and, and send them home. So, because as long as they're in school, at least they're out of my hair. Carrie, Honestly, can, so. can so. straight white males like me download this app? The, um, well, you can go to the website, which is Queer Youth Alliance. I'll bet so, the app is used as a bullying device now. So we have the Department of Justice in one school district here. Uh-huh. Um, and that is, they have looked for racism. Um, and so kids will turn, kids will turn in other kids for anything. And it's generally accepted. Like, you know, don't, don't question the victim. I'll bet it's like swatting. I'll bet if someone's mad at you, they turn you in, even though they had nothing to do with that. Cause like swatting is a big thing right now. And I'll bet it's the same thing. Another applicable thing. Maybe it doesn't carry the possible teeth that swatting has. Or swatting seems to be born out of the gaming, you know, people yes. on video games at the same time. This on a smaller scale, uh, I mean, where you can, uh, you know, little Timmy in class uh, laughed because you snorted when you laughed earlier. So now I'm going to write and say that, you know, he said something mean about X, Y, or Z, you know, that it sounds like, it sounds like a great product to link to the ESG score. Mm. Yep. Absolutely. That's, that's what it is. We are, we are living in a cultural revolution and our kids are definitely the new guard, whatever that is, whether that's the new, I call it the new rainbow guard. Um, I will have people, I'll go in for just like for coffee and somebody will say to, you know, they feel the need to tell me when I'm getting my coffee. So I'm part of the queer community or whatever. <laughs> and I'm just like, I, I don't care. And that does not mean I hate you. It means I genuinely don't care. You probably have things that are more interesting than who you sleep with, who you're attracted to, or the color of your skin. Yeah. But that's the most exciting thing about you. You are a boring person. Yeah. One, I don't want to be in your bedroom when you have your nocturnal activities but yeah i would like to know what tv shows do you like you what's your favorite book what book are you reading now what kind of series what's your favorite um what's your favorite physical activity those are things that are important i mean unless of course nocturnal activities is our favorite physical activity then what's your second favorite you know <laughs> but i don't want to i don't want to restrict your bedroom fun nor do i want to be involved in it in well, any and I way i kind of do for for teenagers i want <laughs> I their mean, parents I, I, I want their parents to i yes. want to be nowhere near what teenagers do yes. down make out alley yes i yeah. turned 20 i quit going down make out alley because i was yeah. an adult right you yeah know. yes and so I want nothing to do with it. So thank God they don't come to me and confess that to me. I have no issue if you're gay, if you're straight. 
if you think you're a cat, I don't care. One, are you, um, are you good at conversation? That's one thing. I would like to talk to people that can carry on a conversation and maybe have fun. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I don't, it, it, you are right though. But the rainbow guard, I had to laugh because I was thinking the red guard, um, that, that could, uh, I mean, they could get some interesting clothes out of that. The flag would be what it is. I mean, honestly, they would probably run with the flag they have now. Just pop yeah. a hammer and sickle up in the top left corner. Let that freak flag fly. Yeah, it's true. And they have no idea. And that's that's the most frustrating thing to me. Like I said before, Black people have been pawns. So yeah. the thing is, is that so many African-Americans have conservative values. Their families are they, very conservative. Their their families are very conservative. They're not really into the whole LGBTQIA plus thing. They're um they don't want crime. I mean, there's many things that they don't want and that, that are their values, and they have common sense. Yeah. But let's dig in on that for real quick for a second. Sure. Oh, yes. African African American males between the ages of 15 and 35 make up for approximately 50% of the crime. Okay. But I'll bet if you were to boil that down on the 15 to 35 year old African males, that's still probably only five to 10% of them at most. Right. So the majority of them are law abiding citizens. You just get a few that I think are, they feel left out of society. There's that, that old African proverb that says, if you don't include the young men in your community, they'll light it on fire just to fill the heat. Well, right. and uh, I and think now we're doing that with everyone else. Look at the <laughs> mental health of everybody else now. Yes. <laughs> Suicide we were, we were the guinea pigs. Well, yeah. And the mass shootings, the mass shootings aren't coming out of uh, just because we have more guns coming out of, we have a crisis. Young men, are getting shut out and this is all men across the board even yes. young black men they may be getting more chances than young white men but that's not much more right because our education system is built for girls right now they're eliminating recess they're eliminating classes that are active because girls are just fine sitting there for eight right boys are not and cannot don't uh, excel at any of the stuff that schools are doing College graduation has now flipped to where women are the majority of college graduates, including most of your STEM courses. And then that also has later after on effects, which means that after you graduate, the dating and marriage market plummets because women kind of want to marry at the least across, but they speak up right? because it, that's it's ingrained in our genes. And so men get left out of the market. Women end up dating where there's one like alpha male that dates a, a number of women. So women don't get fulfilled in their relationship needs. Men, all except for that alpha who's super, super fulfilled, get left out of theirs. I mean, it, it is a recipe for revolution. Yes. 
can I can I share with you guys that um, page so I can show you what yes. I, what I mean by revelation? Yes, I, revelation. I, I, I'll I'll get it pulled up right now because you did send it to us. Uh huh. Oh, I sent you the intersectionality thing, but I wanted to share with you the the page from Castle. Castle is um huge in Utah. Okay. Abby Cox has brought in Castle director um at least two times, I believe at least three times. Um, and our parents are getting things that, that are telling them how wonderful social and emotional learning is. Hey, Carrie, I, yes. I know I might sound a little crazy right now, okay. but I don't know what castle is. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. <laughs> I was waiting for you to explain to me. I know what it's, a castle is. No. So social and emotional learning. Do you know what that is? Uh, yes. I, okay. I don't know exactly how it works. I do know that it is. It's a route where they've taken kind of the scientific method out of education and they've added in, how does this make you? So the very basics of it are that um, it is social and emotional compliance and it's colonization of our children. We want, they want everyone to become a progressive. Now, if you really dig into progressive ideology, Again, I hope I don't get in trouble for saying this, but progressive ideology looks an awful lot like what the Nazis learned. That's reality. Um, so it's very much an obedience-based. What I'm trying to do is, um, if you can let me share my screen. Yeah, I, what okay. do I have to do to like, we'll have a quick um, Zoom class for those who don't. <laughs> um. um, I don't see see it here on this let me let me open this maybe i can do it that way okay share screen maybe yes okay let me share this okay um, so what i'm gonna do okay. is so this get... is castle do you see castle up here in the corner yeah let me get this adjusted so that everyone gets the full screen view so in re... so castle Every umbrella of social and emotional learning is approved by Castle, unless your school is one that is openly said that, that that would not. And the only school that I can think of that has done that is um, American Preparatory Academy and probably Liberty Hills. Um, Where are these that, schools at for the inquiring mind that wants to send their child to Yes, a so they're, they're charter schools that have both said they will not bow to woke indoctrination. Now that's where are a problem. these charter schools at? Oh, okay. Um, American Preparatory is in Draper, is in West Valley, and is in Salem. There's a small school there. Um, these are these are American Prep is free. Um, except you have to like pay for your uniforms. And Liberty Hills, I'm not sure. It's it's in northern Utah. Um, but I do know that they have openly said that they would not follow these. So this is Castle. Um, and you can see here, what is SEL? So when you dig through, and you do have to dig because the front pages say, oh, this is wonderful, beautiful things. But let me just get through some of it. So um, this requires that SEL is implemented with an explicit goal of promoting educational equity. Educational equity always means the same outcome for everyone. So if you come in with a child who is gifted in reading, they want to dumb your child down. 
it's not acceptable for your child to be an advanced reader, which is why in Portland and Seattle, they are getting rid of um, their gifted classes. They are saying that math is um, math is racist. Um, and also here, uh, American Heritage School, I'm aware of a, of a young man who went home and cried because they spent the first three weeks doing nothing but talking about how math is racist. So SEL is relevant for all students in all schools and affirms diverse cultures and backgrounds. I, let me ask you a question. Yes. So we talked about this, I thought, before we went live, but in Oregon, they've made it so that um, so the black kids aren't going to be tested or educated to the same level. Correct? Was that before we went live? We talked about that. Yes. Or, or it's, I think specifically in Portland. Yes. And that just sounds like that's a recipe to set these children up to fit. So you're not, you're not quite right about it because it's not that they're, that it's not, it's because black and brown kids can't compete, but no kids are being required to um, oh. to test. So they're doing so, away with all tests. Yes. So, so they're going to produce that little cavemen. Test. Yes. Yes. We need equitable outcomes. Nobody. In order to have equitable outcomes, you have a poor class and you have a wealthy class. I just spoke with a young man from China who has a great story about what's happening at BYU. And what they're doing, which is um, pretty hor horrific. Um, you cannot graduate if you don't gender bend. Okay, so, well, hold on. <laughs> sorry. Hold on. At BYU. Yes. At Brigham Young University. Yes. You have to uh, explain that again one more time, real slow. So gender bend, um, at the very least, paint your nails, but also wear a dress for up to two weeks if you're a male. Um, attend a porn support group, although oh, the porn okay. support group, <laughs> I know it's a lot. I call it the Hydra because when you cut off one head and, and win on something, more things come out. If I painted my nails, do I have to go to an Asian salon or <laughs> does it matter what race the people are that paint your nails or or is it I a color thing? I would get extra credit if you went to an Asian salon. Although, as a white male, you might be um, oppressing the people by making them serve you. What's the theory behind this? Um, empathy. Teaching people to be empathetic and affirming. So they the want girls to be very have to... comfortable. In Utah, I believe... Um, and you can look it up if you want to. Um, but I believe it's 44% of kids are identifying as queer today. Carrie, this is um, a pretty big accusation for BYU. I, know. I think that's, isn't that a Mormon college? Yes. And are Mormons so, going to church with painted nails and stuff now? So um, the professor's name is Eric Bybee. And... Um, it, it just got exposed yesterday, but I'm the one who who had the conversation because I was talking to a young man who escaped communism and he was not going to live by lies. So, um, so in order to not live by lies, he refused to use pronouns 
or do any of this, um, to do any of this kind of thing. And in order to pass his class, he is expected to do so. And that's Eric Bybee. Eric Bybee is the professor. Yes. B-I-B-E? B-Y-B-E-E. Yes. So, um, so let me just, so what it looks like. Schools use SEL as a framework to examine the importance of a range of adult and student identities, identities and assets. Reflect on and appreciate diversity and foster an inclusive environment. That does not sound bad to your average person, but that inclusive environment means that you will respect pronouns, period. Mm. Um, because if, if a minority goes up and says that they don't want to respect pronouns because it's against their religious beliefs, the person's scientific um identity trumps being a minority so adopt this is evidence. insane it is so let me keep going though so sel is relevant for all students no it's not it is not if you are a christian again if you if you pull up the other thing you will see that christianity is uh is targeted so SEL is relevant for all students in all schools and affirms diverse cultures and backgrounds. That means it centers around some. And how do you center around some in a classroom without pushing others out? If you center around any individual child, you are making the other children less significant. So that's the first SEL is a strategy for systemic improvement, not just intervention for at-risk students. So what that means is, say you've got a child who's got cancer, but you treat the whole class with chemotherapy. Mm. SEL was created um, originally before it was transformative SEL, which means transforming society. SEL was created to treat the most traumatized it was created for foster kids it was created okay. to teach foster kids how to behave in a classroom so it was now to teach traumatized kids to be able to sit and uh comport themselves in a communal setting so it was a yeah so it's not a bad thing but they're forcing it on kids who don't need that and they're using it in another way as i was saying beforehand so for little kids, it would look like, oh, these poor puppies aren't adopted. Let's make protest signs and walk around the school and do a parade to, um, to get people to adopt the puppies. So you're teaching the children that activism is good and normal and you should do it. But what happens when the activism, which will happen because they're already doing this, they're already doing lessons, I think in Alpine School District, I'm not sure, but I think it was Alpine. They did a talk about how BLM was like the Southern Passage lesson. And that was only last month. So what's, SEL. Well, what's the Southern Passage? <laughs> so what they wanted to talk about was the struggle of slaves coming, being brought over and how that 
the, the kids were supposed to. And it's not a, was it like, but you have to compare the two. And you have to affirm that BLM was just like that. The BLM movement and the slave movement, how they were courageous, how they went through the things that they went through. Personally, I am no fan, believe it or not, of the BLM movement because I believe in individual matters. So yeah. I will do anything I can to help an individual person of any color. But I do not believe that Patrice Colors buying mansions is a worthwhile cause. Isn't I that what not... BLM stands for, though? By large men. <laughs> I mean, there's... There... There's so much that when they say evidence-based, it really upsets me because it's not evidence-based. It's who paid you money to bring this into our schools. That's what it is. Well, so there's SEO, a little bit of that, but also it was guilted into schools. Yes. It was brought into schools by uh, white progressives who feel yes. guilty for their... Uh, for the sins of other white people. And let's face it, racism, very real. It's out yes. there. It happens. I just can don't we, think. Can, can we not pretend, though, that racism doesn't go in the other direction? And, and it, it, racism goes in all directions. You know what? There are probably weird races. You know, like there are probably guys who are white, who are racist against other white guys. That Probably. That's what all the progressives who are like, Dear white people, shut up, sit down, and you know, well, let that's me just, give you a lecture. That's just people who are who are racist against men who. And there's that too. We're used there's to that. that. There, there that are too, uh, but, there but are girls who will sessions. not go out with short guys. Did yeah, you know that? There are. I, I met yes. one one. <laughs> okay, but, so so the last one. I mean, there, there's plenty. This whole thing you can hit every single link on here, and this is on. Castle's Guide to School-Wide SEL. But the last one that's really, really important is to promote agency and civic engagement. This means turning your children into activists for whatever cause they want your children to be activists for. That the, is what it means. That's the rainbow guard. That's the rainbow guard. They're going to be, I'm telling you, they're going to get a Mao that's going to be born out of And he's yes. going to dislike cats. And they're going to, let me tell you, the Red Guard. Here's the, one of the stories that shocks the progressives. Because, you know, progressives love cats. Mao didn't like cats. So the Red Guard needed a point to, uh, to kill cats. Did you know that? No. And but I'm not surprised. They eat their own. The way they killed cats. So they would eat off the cats and throw it in the air and watch people around with. Them. Oh my gosh. And thousands yes. of cats received this treatment at the hand. Now, Red Guard. And Red Guard, okay, quick history lesson. Red Guard was not a military. Red Guard was not a, uh, it wasn't a paramilitary unit. Red Guard was student. It was yeah. 
college age was high school age kids and they they went against other kids if your kid wasn't a part of the communist party you got you got called what was it a, a black a black class yes yeah i believe just just no, no, you're right. It's a black class. They called him a black. Not to mention, I mean, the Chinese made a commercial about eight months ago where a black guy was at a Chinese young lady's house and she put him into a washing machine and turned it on and came out Chinese to show how good their washing machine Uh But we ought to show that commercial on this show one The Chinese are absolute right. Um, but, and they're running so much of what's happening. Oh, why so not? Much. Why oh, not? For sure. This is Sun Tzu's art of war. Yes. Fight your well, enemy is, without is, firing a shot. The book Mao's America just came out um, by Jivan Fleet. Uh-huh. And, and it, it just came out yesterday. And um, I had the opportunity of interviewing her. And... Um, and other other people who've been through hell under um this is no joke a class of kids ate their teacher hmm. color me surprised teacher. because i mean what are you going to do when you're you know if your choice is to eat your teacher or be eaten yourself you know teachers killed themselves all sorts of things these things that they're asking our children to do there's a principal in Canada who killed himself over because they're mm. asking our kids to go through struggle sessions. Mm. Some of the ethnic studies curriculum says that this may be painful for your child. So make sure there's a social worker on hand because your child might not be able to handle it and might have a breakdown. And what's worse is that, um, and you're the first people to, to know this, but um, if you think it's not in Utah, there's a there's a company right now who is creating the curriculum that they're that they're planning on sending first to California, but it's created here in Utah, and it is it is atrocious. And there's a man who's done a podcast on why it's more important to comfort kids than give them rigor in the classroom. And it's his company that's created this atrocious curriculum. What is it that weak men create? <laughs> Hard times. Yeah. So imagine if you're just a kid, you're just, you, you're a third grade kid and you see in a book, um, one, you see praising of Ibram X. Kindy, but then on top of that, you see a picture of skulls and then they show a black school um, and they show that it was replaced with a monkey's school. So what does that do to a child who can't even process that? Because they're just, they're still in the age of gathering in information they're and that's stunned. the, that's what they're going to see or, or measuring the nose to see if you have any black blood based on, on your nose. Do you think that that's not going to affect the kids in the playground? That's mess- and all these traits, all these the the melanin of the skin, the the yes. shape of the nostrils, all that. That's all just evolutionary on a human being to make him the most optimal machine in the environment. But that's not how it's going to be taught. It's taught 
to make these kids. And it makes me so frustrated when people will say things like, it's not here. It is absolutely here. A year ago, we had a social and emotional learning when you could go into the school and, and take a look at the samples. And so I went into look at the samples. And in the first book, the kindergarten through th third grade books, the first picture they had was what is a citizen? And it says a citizen can be a bear. And then it shows a citizen can join a cause. So they've got these little kids with their fists up in the air. A citizen can join a cause and they have dreadlocks and wife beater t-shirts. Now, there are so few black people in my, in my town. Mm -hmm. I don't want to be represented as a wife beating, wearing dreadlocked person. Not that that doesn't look good on some people, but that was the only representation. And that's in our schools now. And it comes from Castle. And that's the other hard part. Another, the bad thing that they're doing on the that there are lots of small towns, very little black representation. And yes. so it comes through the new schools. And so the only image they're going to see that all black people, I have a yes. nephew. And uh, I think my nephew would give the Hodge twins a for their money. Good for him. He is uh, 16, 15, 16. He just turned 16. And uh, he, he, he's a fun kid. But if you're going, like, I'm sure that if he goes to college, he's going to have a hard time on. Yes. Yes. He doesn't. He's he's the type who likes to play around, you know, and uh, and joke about uh, his ethnicity in a in a fun way that you know eases and has fun. And I would hate to think that someone perceives him as different. Yes. Not. He's not a wilting flower. Though I and think he might be British. I think he might be English on the inside because little bastard likes to do <laughs> all the time. They 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 do. Unfortunately, they do it is it's heavy. So mm. I would advise your your um nephew to find um to find that group that will buoy him up and, and um you know, probably avoid the black menaces, which is a BYU group. Mm. So probably black, avoid that group. Black, black menaces. menaces. Sounds like a yes. good show. <clears throat> now hold on. Is that <laughs> is that a is that a refraction or or a reflection of something that was said by uh, a Mormon leader as one time or something? Where did that name? No, I think it's trouble. So there's a, there's a book called Good Trouble and it's, it's activism. I think that the LDS church, um, there is, and I'm not saying this with animosity. I'm just saying this, this is fact, right? So there, there's a history that has happened with the church 
And so there's guilt there. And oh, yeah. The, the LDS church will just say it outright. The LDS church wouldn't allow priesthood to uh, African-Americans until like 70. 78. Yeah, 70 something, which is, which is 100% yes. falling. You know, it was, it was just a complete racist uh, thing they did. And I think that that's why they're so willing to bend over backwards and have people like Ibram X. Kendi and How to Be an Anti-Racist um, as the featured book for the school um, to partner with, here's where I get myself in trouble, with groups like the NAACP, which honestly, um, let me put it this way, if if a white organization treated black people the way the NAACP treats white people. Holy crap. The NAACP would have to show up. Well, no, <laughs> here's the deal. It, it happens with all activist groups. Yes. Glad the gay for something, right? Yes. Okay. They were built up at a time when it was needed to get a gay marriage pushed through, humana, humana, gay rights, whatever. It's yes. all there. But a lot of people build a career on that. Mm -hmm. And it's not like if you were out there beating the drum for gays forever, and then what are you going to do? Are you just going to swap, change gears, and become an insurance salesman? No. you got to keep going. Um, well, you know, there's all sorts of stuff. People need to understand that, that's, that none of these organizations have a goal of stabilization. So no, the no, goal is not can't. to normalize anybody. All right. Because then you can't use their revolutionary. Like losing your job. Well, hold on. Yes. My buddy here sitting next to me is a safety guy. Okay. What he does that wants 98% safety. He doesn't want 100% Because then there's no need for safety guys. 98% is that. Right? He wants 2% of the people that work around him to be unsafe. Not quite OSHA reportable ones, just, you know, on the edge. God did help they, me. God help me if I can't find someone not wearing their seatbelt on their forklift. Yeah. Did they not fill out the ladder inspection this? Bang. That's the ticket. Right. That's what he do. wants. Especially in a shop that never uses a ladder. That's what he wants. Okay. Because then Dave has a job. Right. Now, I'm not worried about losing my job, by the way. If Dave <laughs> was to show up and all the ladder inspection sheets filled out and all the seatbelts yep. are worn through, soon Dave's going to wonder, I'm not going to go relearn to do something else. I'm a safety guy. Right? Right. I'm a handyman. I don't want people to start learning how to do these little things around the house. I guess you didn't watch South Park last week. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> Waiting for my time to be a millionaire. I haven't watched it. I've heard all about it. So I need okay. to watch it. Oh, so, Carrie, this group castle, it's supported by Governor Cox. Is that correct? Yes, it, is. it is, yes. Why, why do you think Cox is all on board with everything progressive <laughs> coming down the pike? His wife is a progressive teacher, isn't she? I didn't know that she was a teacher, but that would make sense. Um, I mean, you are what you marry, too. So. So, um, I will lose dignity if I tell you what I think of Governor Cox. Well, yeah, so, but 
I'm, I'm just asking because I don't yes. remember much of him when he was just in the legislature. Yes. But he was a conservative legislator, at least borderline conservative. But it seems like right now, if, if Dr. Evil over there in Davos or if the World <laughs> Economic Forum says see, it, yeah. uh-huh. he says, I want to be the first to implement. And he races yes. to get it done. So yes. what do you think is going on there? Do you think it like? Well, I think sell is, is the perfect term. I think it's funny that it's social and SEL because he will sell our children. Well, yeah, That's but what I think he's, he's doing, doing it like he's a true believer. So what I'm wondering I think is. He's also a, I, I think he's a true believer, but I will say this. Bob Woodson used to work for the NAACP. Mm-hmm. And he quit because he realized 70% of all things were going, um, of all profits were going into the pockets of these people instead of going into the communities and actually helping. Bob Woodson. And BLM. Mm, um, no, NAACP. Yeah, but. I so mean, back, back in the day. Yes. The, the, but the playbook same, well, BLM is BLM is more like 100%, I think. Um, <laughs> the only place I think that they're, that they are influencing anything is in our schools. There is actually curriculum called BLM in school. Well, the BLM is only doing that to, so that when those kids graduate and get a job, they kick more money back to buy low. Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. Well, my so, question so is. So for Spencer. Oh, go ahead. Well, with Cox, see, here's my thing is he was kind of conservative legislator, but now he is literally, I mean, right now. Right now, there is saliva from his tongue on the boots of all these Dr. Evils. There is. I mean, they're like, hey, we want to eat crickets. And he's saying, how do I get cricket farms in Central? Right. We want to make these cities where people can become prisoners. He's like, I can make that happen. He's chosen to listen to the wrong people. That or did did they pull him into the smoky room? So he's got... He's got, okay, the two people that I have made the most angry, um, one is his appointee to the Ethnic Studies Commission. The what? And the Ethnic Studies Commission. Uh, the okay. Ethnic Studies Commission is... Here we go on another tangent. What is it? <laughs> so, okay, so as a black woman, you're a monolith with all other black women. Or is it all other black people? Or are you a monolith with everyone who's not white? Which it would mean an ethnic studies group has to happen. What kind of bullshit? Exactly. You can't be an individual. Us white people, we're obviously not individuals either. We're evil. But you can't be an individual. You have to be an ethnic. Right. And the thing is, is that, again, being blunt, most minorities don't like each other. So the minority Most. groups. So even even like well, they call it Latinx or Latinx, right? Yeah, that's, but you can that's have been a big Mexican success. people who don't like Cuban people, who don't like Brazilian people, who don't like this kind of thing. Oh, Africans yeah. don't like African Americans. This is fundamentally true. Not with every single person, because there are people who think for themselves, but as groups. They dislike each other. You know what? So I'll, bet, F- I'll bet. What? I'll bet Ethiopians don't like night. Or or even closer. I'll bet Ethiopians don't like 
The Malians? Yes. I had my most racist experience in the country of Trinidad. So here I am. I'm, I'm trying to hook up with this girl in Trinidad that I met and, and uh, found out she was too tall. But anyway, I'm, I'm looking out to a field where these cricket teams are gathering, right? And it's like, keep an eye on what's going on over there. And I'm looking and I'm watching like the black team. And then there's the Indian team because there's Indians and blacks living in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, like it was a combat zone. They charged each other in like battle formation or there was a war. I literally witnessed hatred in physical yes. form on, yeah. on an island. And I, and people say we're a very racist country, but people over there, <laughs> They fight each other because of what you're Indian and black. What's the what's well, the big difference to actually have to physically fight each other over? Now Gandhi was uh, not an ambassador. I think he was kind of an ambassador to one of those African countries. Now, um, if you want to take a walk down racist lane, read Gandhi's letters. Didn't care for, but of course, neither did Karl Marx. I mean, we could line up their heroes. So, but I've talked I, to people. Explain to me this ethnic studies. So, yes, okay. yes, people don't like people. I mean, let's face it, don't like color. People don't like uh, how many times are people stabbed every NFL season? The Raiders are right, right. So ethnic studies is supposedly what they'll say is that it's going to bring all of these people together. But what it does is it brings these people together under their points of intersectionality. So under their points of oppression, the first thing they want to do now, and this is very important and actually very serious because ethnic studies and what just happened in Israel are so linked together. Well, yeah, remember it was, uh, hell, it was starting in the 50s and 60s, the black liberation, black Marxists, would take their people to Palestine. So So, this is why you're seeing a lot of this, a lot of the African-American or whatever you want to call it, a lot of the a lot of the militant African communities, including uh, the black, uh, the Chicago, that's why they all came out in support, because they have already built a military-style bond, because they were doing military training throughout the 60s in, in the Palestinian area. And if you go to ethnic studies, if you go look at the California model policy, which I've made like 20 videos on, just going line by line through this stuff and explaining why it's problematic. I try to make it less boring because I, I bring on a team to discuss it of, of former teachers. Um, and so we we go through it and it's it starts with black liberation. So ethnic studies started with black liberation. It has uh, Kimberly Crenshaw, um 
Angela Davis. Perfectly sane people, perfectly qualified. They did not buy guns. No, not at all. 100%. That That is what's guiding ethnic studies. So we have a bunch of people who mean well. And I would say, I would like to say that that Spencer is dumb. I would like to say that. God, I hope. But I don't think that he is. Well, hold on. What's worse? People have come to him. What's worse? Would you rather have an evil leader or a dumb leader? I mean, that's like. Because I represent two groups that I'm not speaking on behalf of, (laughs) to be, to be clear, I'm not speaking on behalf of either of the groups. Um, The thing is, is that I know that people have gone to him and said, this is why we're concerned and he hasn't cared. So that is why it's a problem because the man has not cared when we've tried to explain this is what's going on. Um, So our, our, Ethnic studies, how it's presented, and what I always get is, why are you against learning about different cultures? I'm hugely, so in in terms of, like, people will say, you don't want history taught. I literally play Harriet Tubman. I, I go around the state acting out her story. I don't hide the bad stuff. I emphasize the good stuff, and I emphasize the unity of her story. She's a badass. Well, but people helped her escape. They did. And and sent her and get get back and forth. And some of those people were white. And Uh, so I tell that part of the story. A substantial amount. Also, Harriet Tubman would not hesitate to murder someone who stopped running. Yes. I actually do point my gun at at a person in the audience. If someone said, I'm tired. No. She didn't play. No. If you were dragging the group down. Yeah. But my favorite part about Harriet Tubman, my favorite part, is she illegally carried a firearm everywhere she went. (laughs) She's a badass. She's one of my personal heroes. And she was teeny tiny. Yeah, she was a little, she was a little. She was like 5'4". She's a little fire plug. Yes, yes. And, but the thing is, is that. Had a face that would stare through you. Progressives believe there is no truth but power. That's literally their kind of mantra, okay? So if you believe there is no truth but power, you have no problem in lying. So I have had school board members who've said, you are being a fear monger. You are saying things that aren't true. Despite the fact that I do my, I do my research based full on on the pages, like I said. I go line by line through the stuff and I talk about it. Um, so I'm not fear mongering. Um, this stuff is real. Our kids are really being targeted. Um, and the progressives want this or they think they do. The problem is, as James Lindsay put it, if, if they win, they lose. And if we win, they lose because every single time there's been a cultural revolution, those people who are, activated are problematic to the new regime and that is the thing that like it's doubly hard to do this because you're doing this to our children and another thing that they're doing and and spencer believes this i will say this for a fact um they had a faith matters conference so when they want to colonize our kids it's called the whole child whole school 
And when they want to colonize their children, they mean the entire child, including their spiritual beliefs. Well, I think this progressivism is a new, it's a modern religion. It is a modern religion. all the earmarks. And at the Faith Matters Conference a couple of weeks ago, every single person, including the non-denominational Christian, got up and said that it was time that we had a new God, a God who was from modern times. Spencer was one of the, um, he gave one of the presentations there, the presenters. Mm. So he himself, so yeah, he, he absolutely believes that he's smarter than everyone else. And that's where, that's, it's so crazy to me that, that, that the mantra that these people say is, and down with colonization and the reason that they want Israel gone really is because it's a sovereign nation and they don't want sovereignty because we're supposed to all be global. That's Mm. really the ultimate issue here. They're Trotskyists. Yes. And so that's, that's the way that they feel. And that's, what's coming into our schools. That is what's being taught to our children and anything else should be dismantled. Carrie, again, what's the name of this government position? Oh, so the person is Michelle Loveday, Dr. Michelle Loveday, and mm-hmm. it's the Ethnic Studies Commission. Now, is, is she on state payroll or is she donation? Is she uh, a contract? I do not know. I just know that Spencer Cox appointed an Ethnic Studies Commission. And what has been found out about the Ethnic Studies Commission is that the curriculum was already being made before they were ever established. And a lot of the um, the senators have been upset about that because they were like, we, we did not join this. They joined with this Martin Luther King, you know, um, one day my little children kind of attitude. And um, what they find is that this is an exact, exact example from ethnic studies. Ethnic studies for Utah, a third grade child is supposed to be able to explain why flooding in Missouri is due to climate change and systemic racism. Uh, now she's a doctor of uh, like brain surgeon or <laughs> is she a doctor of, of emotions and feelings? You're talking I- Dr. Michelle Love slash Love day. day. Yes. Correct. At the yes. Jordan School District. Okay. I've got her pulled she up here. She went from a, um, public records say like 32000 a year to 145 in one year. It's profitable. I'm telling you, I need to start it's an activist group for ugly guys or balding guys. I'm telling you short guys, Jared. Us short guys <laughs> need a movement. Will you guys let me in? I'm like 5'11". Will you let me in? Can we set the benchmark at six feet? Then I'll join in. But there's too many of us. We can't milk a country on. We're the majority. We have to pick yeah. something. Else. And you're not balding. What's something else we have in common? I mean, uh, I don't know. I, I I can't think of anything. I think of it all the time, though. Much. That all I, if I wanted paid. to flip sides. If I, I wanted to flip sides, I could probably have my bathroom remodel completely done. <laughs> I know. I know. We got to get paid. How do we do this? What can we milk? Now, here in a few more years after, well, I've heard that there's a backlash coming out of, uh, what are they called? Uh, Gen Alpha? Yes. That they are yep. 
substantially yes. more conservative than their predecessors. And do you think that's a backlash, like they went too far? I think that when you tell kids that they can't do anything for two years because everyone's going to die and then no one does, oh. they're ticked. Yeah. That's we don't what need I to think. talk about COVID. <clears throat> <laughs> I, I just, Here's, let me go on yeah. a tangent on that for a second. Yeah. Mm. I had a shocking uh, revelation, a fear, if you will. Our government and our medical institutions have so um, abused our trust in them. Yes. That if a pandemic kicked off, um, like a real one, something yeah. serious, uh, you know, I think the Black Death or or the pandemic that's happening now, mental issues. Right. Um. What if Altis did a great show on that, how he believes that our oncoming mental issues is going to have the same effects of the Black Death on the population. He thinks we're going to lose a lot of people, which is an interesting thought project. But mine was, you know, I'm driving down the road, and as you do, it gets boring, so your mind takes a walk about while you cruise, which it shouldn't, but it do. Um, <clears throat> I thought... If something for real came down the pike, you know, something real, like even just a, you know, a, something that had, a, you know, a, a 30% of the population killing numbers, we would ignore it for too long. Yeah. We would ignore it for just long enough that it would pinch off enough of the population that it would, honestly, it would be. It would be like the Bronze Age collapse, something I mention on this show all the time. It would kill enough of the population that we would lose cell service, at least intermittently. We would lose power intermittently. We would lose food intermittently and gas and all those sustainable stuff. And that's all because when it mattered, when we needed them to be honest, they weren't. And they made it so that we can't trust them. I know that as as a person of color, um, every time I drive by Intermittent or Intermountain Health and I see we provide equitable health care, it causes me extreme amounts of anxiety because I just think about the history of what has happened when people wanted and, and at the beginning of at the beginning of COVID, they were saying, you know, we want to give it to all black people first. Yeah, they give the vax to all black what? people. <laughs> Because I, I just thought, would, I mean, if it's if if the most vulnerable population is elderly, shouldn't it go to them first? Yeah. Well, Why and, would you say? And also, yeah. they're doing that with the the uh, watermelon movement, the green movement. You know, green on the okay. outside, red on the end. You know, <laughs> oh, we need to shut down oil use because it affects black people more. You know, right. Not to right. mention, I mean, do it, shut it down. You'll kill one quarter of the human population that year. Do it. Right. Let's say, yeah. you know what? I'm, you know, I'm ready to get to the hard times now. Let's start building strong men because this weak yes. men building hard times, it's hard to watch. Yes. And I, I've That's always said, here, here we go. You guys are going to hear another thing again. We need to breed wolves and cut them loose in the population. We need to have, you know, a couple people a year peeled off the herd so that we have to earn life again. Because if we start earning life again, 
I think that all this shit goes away. The minute there's a, you know, 20% chance that you become wolf shit this night, you quit worrying about the little shit that doesn't matter and you start worrying about big picture. Yeah. That's very, that's very true. I think that the most we need to, to fix the boy crisis. Now we have to, another huge thing to remember is that when you said mental health, it just has to be addressed. Mental health has been usurped. I speak on a podcast regularly with, um, with counselors who are trying to save their profession. And um, they have been told that they are not being trained to be able to provide service to the quote unquote Trump supporter. Or so, what haven't they been able to f- provide service to for say 60, 70 years? Yeah. Veterans. Yeah, exactly. Because veterans, our mental health system is designed for female mental health. Speech therapy does not have a good outcome with the male mind. Yeah. But what, but what they're really teaching them right now is they're teaching a therapist that you must first address race. So if, <laughs> if someone were to come in and say, I have an issue with depression or I have you an issue. You lost your family with... in a car accident. Yes. So tell me about your blackness. Exactly. Break it down for me. So do you think you being black had something to do with Firestone putting those tires on your Ford Explorer? Yes. Hmm. Yeah. Do tell me and more. Were you white? <laughs> Firestone built a better tire for that series. Jeez. Yes. yes. And so that is the big place, especially school counselors um, are really turning to activists. They are fishing for the vulnerable. And when they find the vulnerable, they are getting them on the track of all sorts of, you know, because there's, there's tons of money in the medication. But there's also tons of money in the men- for their mental health. And so they they're all progressives. They I'm make sorry? new soldiers. It's a soldier factory. Yes. The school always has been a soldier factory. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a Prussian institution. Well, it is, yeah. To integrate yeah. children into a war-type society. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. What do you think about the homeschooling movement? I homeschool now. I love it. So I, I homeschool and I teach at a co-op. I've, so, I've said if I had a kid, I would homeschool. Absolutely. I would figure no out how to do it. I would take that little bugger with me out to paint a wall or hammer yes. a fence. And that's the thing is homeschool can be anything. So now I don't agree. There are people who will say, you know, playing Minecraft. But I will tell you this. Anything, literally anything is is better than what's going on in some of our schools right now. Like, that is Do you true. want to teach your kid to be a Nazi? <laughs> Well, here's the thing. Um, I've done work in just in the last two months, I've worked in four homes that were homeschooling their under high school kids. Their high school kids went to school. And um, yeah, I think our schools are corrupted. And I think I mean, we've got to figure out, and I don't know how we can do it as a state, but we've got to get the Department of Education out first. Yeah, I we think do that's... not have as many, like we're, we consider ourselves to have a conservative school board, but we really don't. 
Well, conservative compared to maybe most of the, you know, the aggregate of the rest of the nation. Uh, so but- that's the thing. Coming from coming from Seattle, I came here seeking refuge. <laughs> I'm okay, sorry. I I thought I thought coming here I could. Put when did my you leave Seattle? School, 2020. Oh, After, you left in the depth. Oh, I, I like got you're, assaulted you're, by BLM. Oh, you're I, I got, like wading the beach in Normandy. You just got <laughs> off the boat and you're just dragging, and there's blood and yes. guts and hair stuck to shit and paraffins <laughs> up ahead of you. And holy cow, 2020 that was a big year for Seattle, man. Seattle, well, Seattle my has a troublemaker. So he was Seattle's unrecognizable now. Yes, it is. It is. I I won't go back. But um, but yeah. So when my second generation biracial child um is told to identify as his oppressed side and reject his oppressive side, I saw the mental health disaster that that would be. So I came here thinking, okay, in Utah, it's family values all the way. Nothing's gonna get past here. And the first thing I saw was um, the governor bow to Jill Biden as she got off an airplane. And I just thought, uh oh. Mm. And then I heard him say that he would not ban CRT. He wanted to make sure real history was taught, but he wasn't going to teach an impressive view. But then DEI came in. So DEI, CRT, SEL, it's all part of the same hydra. Um, and I will not. It's funny because people will say I'm a very hateful person um, because I will not bow to the trans agenda because I've heard of too many people who have um, detransitioned. And I just, I, I think it's cruel. Even so then, I won't. Huh? Okay. I'm sorry. Yes. I agree with you 100% on that. But even then, why would you bow to a. A mental problem agenda. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, right? I think that they're breaking our kids on purpose. Oh, hey, look, if I was to, let's say I had a, let's say we found a planet out there that was full of an alien race and this alien race is productive and happy, but we wanted to invade. Um, this is what I would do. I would deliver this idea to the aliens. Yeah, you, know, you want to disarm and you want to start, you know, thinking, yeah. you know, you do this and that. And I would weaken them specifically by this, by making the, a, a cultural schism. And it's not even, you know what, if you're trans, I don't care. I, I, I don't care. I be trans. If Dave showed up tomorrow and said his name's Davina and he had to wear a wig and you know, high heels because it made him taller and whatever. I wouldn't care. Long eyelashes. I wouldn't care. I, I would even call him an it, just like he would request. But... Um, a shim. A shim. But I, I don't care. But one, I don't have to skip along down your delusion with you. So don't expect me to say that you are a woman. Because you are not. You are a trans woman. Sure. But I'm not going to just call you a woman. Because (laughs) let's be clear, you know, aluminum ain't steel and magnesium ain't copper. You know, 
They're I just think the only way that you get through this with your mental health and anything else and your and your dignity and your honor intact is to refuse to live by lies. Period. Mm-hmm. In every situation, you refuse to live by lies. This is every single person that I've spoke to who has escaped communism. That's what they've done. You know, in, in their homes outside, they might lie because they need to go to the grocery store. You know, they might they might lie for for work or whatever. But in their homes, they would go downstairs into their basements in the middle of the night and they would teach their kids what they knew to be true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where the, the phrase politically correct comes from. It comes from Stalinist Russia, where two friends talking and one would correct the other because one said one that was honest and he said what you're saying is correct but don't say it because it's politically incorrect it doesn't fit a narrative or agenda and the government has an agenda it doesn't want really stable well-to-do intelligent populations they they probably have an iq level in mind where (laughs) they're not smart enough to question them but they're also smart enough to perform processes and pay taxes you want subjects you know not Useless class, though, right? Isn't yeah. that what we're heading towards? Is a useless class yep. by drugs mm. and video games? I don't know. I would love to. Here's one thing: like, if I was to say, if I was the divine overlord of wherever, and I wanted the uh, black community to be fixed, um, I would uh, tell them start your own businesses, build them in your community. And when I say invest in your community doesn't mean throw money as you drive down the road. That means you build a business that people come work at and prosper. Build generational wealth in your communities. Um, I think many black young men have found success in becoming athletic stars. Not many, very few, honestly, less than 0.01% have found success in becoming athletic stars or musicians. But they, the whole community looks at that as what they want to be, which means not enough of them are saying, I want to find success because I've noticed in my neighborhood, there are no plumbers and that is attainable and plumbers make good money. This is message to you in our South side, Chicago one plumbers make money and it's a very little investment to become a plumber and many plumbers clear the the you know the comma two commas added or not two but the comma added to their annual income um the uh you know six figures is easy for a plumber electricians and plumbers and electricians every building built has those two people in it everyone um hvac guys they're needed not a big investment to get into it you can achieve that you don't even have to like excel at math or be able to sing and dance or you know have to be over six foot tall unless your name's bugsy and then somehow at five foot four you're like the best basketball player ever i don't know how that happened but he's a badass but these are things but the communities never look for that and i think that's a sign of a lack of men in those communities well also our communities invest in football and basketball not 
mathnasiums or the chess club. Well, even then, I don't think that matters. I think it's that there's a lack of fathers in there. There is a, the one thing that African-Americans have been taught to do that other immigrants don't do is um, they look backwards. Mm. And so people that come here from other countries think I am one generation away from success and prosperity. And African-Americans have been taught to look backwards and go, I am only a hundred years away from slavery or 200 years away from slavery. That's an interesting thought. You know, in the 1920s, it was the Jewish people who fought out of the poor neighborhoods by becoming athletic stars. I did not know that. Are you serious? Look back, look back. All the basketball stars were Jewish. All the boxers were Jewish. Hmm. Yeah, no, so it's always been it's always been an underclass fought their way into athletics. Always. That's been kind of traditional across the board. I'll bet if we go back to Aztec, the guys who kicked the heads through those mouths that were on the side of the stadium, they were an underclass somehow. And also military. Always been. It's a historical thing that's always been military's always been an, an advantage for a way out. But and I think people need to use anger that way. They need, yeah. to, they need to use anger to climb up instead of anger to keep them crippled. So you need to you need to say, I'm ticked off that you thought I was incapable of doing this. I'm yeah. ticked off that you taught me for generations that education wasn't for me. And, yeah. you, and instead you have to grab it and say, so I'm going to be the best damn whatever because I'm pissed. Yeah, so, I. I well, I think what they need to do is, I think what needs to happen is, is uh, I would like to see inner city schools. Um, I don't know if this would work, but it might be a nice try to figure out. One, I think they need to separate boys and girls in school, at least in those ones. Um, I was probably the last school in the United States of America that had a class where girls weren't allowed, and that was my ag mechanics class. But that was 100 years ago. I mean, that's back when Christ was a private. But I think they need to separate the boys, and they need to take them and say, okay, we're going to do some focus learning. And and have maybe, maybe call it a, a toolbox class where, hey, this week you show up, and we are fixing a car. We're working on a car. We're doing a we're doing a full tune up on the school bus. Whatever you know, and and give what percent of boys want to dig into that? Uh, just a taste of getting some grease under their nails. And the week after that, we're going to build a new tool shed that's going to be donated to whatever the old folks home down the street whatever and give the boys a taste of that you know maybe they'd like operating a hammer i mean framers right now are making good money it's crazy 20 years ago a framer i mean shit he couldn't afford his own meth and now he's buying meth and beer it's great anyways and then um i'm just kidding framers we all love you and then but but the roofers we don't need to talk about their druggies um (laughs) But, you know, but give them a chance to experience yes. it. But I think they need to pull them out of those ones. They're trying to be chauvinistic to show off to girls. So I think they've got to separate them from that and let them grow 
without that pressure and let him learn uh, meritocracy in a way that doesn't have doesn't have to do with showing off to girls because meritocracy does need to be learned and let him learn that in a masculine productive way. Maybe I'm wrong, but what will it hurt? It's not like Baltimore can lose any more of their, you know, smart kids. There's a school in Tennessee called Piney Ridge, and it has been a historically black school for like 200 years. And this school didn't even have desks. So the kids would have to learn by leaning over a log um, to do their work. And Today, this school has a 96% graduation rate and they go on to higher education. Mm. Um, but they are a no-nonsense school. They take the most kind of troubled kids and they reform them. And the kids, like if they get in trouble, which they do, some of them have come back and begged, begged because they're like, this is the only place that I can go where I feel like somebody believes in me. And I'll bet so, when those kids graduate, I'll bet they marry the woman they impregnate or impregnate the woman they marry and they stay that way. Yeah. They, and yes. they, they know the importance of, of you build generational wealth by staying a family. Yes. That's how you hand down. I mean, look at, look at all these, uh, all the black movie stars who have successful kids even will and jada for all intents and purposes whatever <laughs> craziness there is uh, yeah they've messed up their kid but i think that's because they raised him too close to that shithole hollywood but their kid is going to have their kids they might have one or two whatever are going to find success because they had two parents they had both parents there providing their roles. Even though Jada hasn't done it well, she's been there doing it. I still think Will's a stand-up guy in an impossible situation. But that's how you do it. That's the there. You won't find you. You find all these wealthy people preaching, "Oh, get divorced if you're bored, whatever." But you won't find them doing it. Right. They recognize the importance of you get married. And you figure out how to stay that way. You figure out how to keep that wealth that you leave the house to obtain and bring back to the house. Keep it there. Yeah. Don't break it in half and then wander it about. You keep it there because that wealth is how your family stays alive and stays strong. But yeah. I do have to let you go because Dave's wife is getting mad at him. Yeah, if I want to keep my wealth... And stay yes. strong. <laughs> I yes. better get my butt if, home. If you want to have well, but I want you to finish out. What's your podcast? We're of course we're gonna put a link to it in the show notes. But sure. what's your podcast? We need to have you on again. This is this I think is not only the funnest, most interesting conversations we have, but I think it's also the most important. I think this is this is as important as enemy at the gates. It is. It's it's very important, and I appreciate you having me on. My podcast, once again, is Be Not Afraid with Carib Marcel. I don't usually use my regular name. You can find me on YouTube by the name that's on this, or on Facebook by the name that's on this, but I don't use my name because, sadly, my views are, um, are harmful and can put a target on my child. So. <laughs> yes, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Thank you. That is that is sad that it it's 
it's come to that. And people in your ethnic community who should be there helping you build, uh, build that community have made you an enemy because... Because they want to continue to make the money that they make. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they it's don't ridiculous. want people to wake up. It's okay. <laughs> it is. Well, Kara, thank you very much. I am... I'm going to pull, but be not afraid. Okay. Um, okay. There's uh, there's a song called Be Not Afraid that comes up very first. Oh. <laughs> yeah, with Carib Marcel. So. It's not, yeah, it, it's not very big, but, but the conversations are pretty good. So. <laughs> no, hey, that's great because I am going to become a follower you're definitely gonna how do you spell Kara in it c-a-r-o-b just like the health food oh okay c-a-r-o carob carob yeah okay all yeah, right pe- people always thought i spelled my name wrong even on my wedding invitations they were like carol <laughs> <Across> <laughs> No, uh, definitely. I, I just became a subscriber and, uh, and there's nothing wrong with being small. We're minuscule, (laughs) but, uh, no, I think it's important conversations and this, I think the, the subject, and I know Dave's dying and I'm just dragging it out because I like (laughs) it when Dave gets in trouble, but I think the conversations you're having and the subject matter again, it's extremely important because it's damaging kids. Uh, remember, if anything, you may keep your kids safe, but one day you're going to retire and you're going to leave it to basket cases unless we get a hold of this now. I mean, the, the suicide rates. The suicide rates for boys has gone up, but for girls has gone insane. We're talking 400% suicide attempt on girls. Granted, girls don't succeed as often, but that's a sign there's an issue. increase is that that's numbers that is I mean that's insane that's and then you add in all the other BS yeah it's it's heartbreaking you give them hope by giving them knowledge by telling them the truth at the most age appropriate level and they can handle it and so if you tell them the truth and you tell them that you're there for them um and you don't just, that's not a platitude, but you actually are there. Then um, I, I believe that we can heal our children, every single color, every single gender. Mm, yeah. Okay. So I've got two comments. Uh, we've got other comments about the auto, but some rogue devilish dude said, whoa, our bathroom is done. Uh, that comes from uh, Adam Bartholomew. Uh, who is this bro? Downstairs is not Adam. So <laughs> <laughs> and it's then never done. Kimberly <laughs> says, well, I am out. Can't abide this kind of talk. Evil. There we go. So apparently she is not a fan of <laughs> what we were talking about. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a troublemaker. And and that's fine. But, I mean, you think about it. Okay. My final message is you can't go into schools 
and get kids to focus on any negative they have going on in their life and expect a positive outcome. You've got to have the kids run with hope. Uh, you, you want to go in there, if, if a kid's in a wheelchair, you want to say to him, you can succeed. You can find a path to success even though you're in a wheelchair. You want to give them a path of hope. And I think this, everyone's your enemy and you've got to hate this certain race and everything else, you're not giving them a path to hope. You're introducing them to a, a, a unless the magical stars align and everyone turns to aid me, then I'll make it. Whereas there's no agency for that kid. Right. And that's just my final message. And Dave says, I'm sorry, honey, I'm on my way home, but you won't shut up. <laughs> well, I really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Hey, thank you. And uh, is it okay if we call on you to come on again and dig in yeah, a I'd little more? To. Yeah, Perfect. it sounds like you got some great contacts, like Michelle Loveday and all these <laughs> professors from BYU. We Man. have to dig into that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, BYU just asked me to, or somebody at BYU just asked me to come and speak, and I'm like, well, will you provide a bodyguard? I'll come bodyguard you. I'll come. So, okay. Yeah, Walk we'll go around. with you. Yeah, Sounds seriously. Like this right, is, so this can't be a healthy circumstance. My only hope is that we're on the way out of it, that this religion will fail. Or... Yeah. Maybe this religion will find a redemption arc, much like all other religions have, and then it can become a successful one. Other than that, we got to go to Ghana with it and drink the punch. That's it. All right. Have a wonderful night. Thanks again, everyone. Uh, go check her out. It's Be Not Afraid with Carob. Um, C A R O B. Marcel, okay, and uh, go check her. Go check her out. She's got good conversations on there, and this is a, an important subject. I know it's not the sexiest of subjects, but it's an important one. I think that uh, I think it's of the most important. Seriously, we've got to take care of the next uh, generation, and uh, have a wonderful weekend. Thank you so much. Thank you. You're welcome. Bye. Bye.